Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Creativity is more than just being different. Making the simple awesomely simple. That's creative. And that was by Charles Mingus. So I picked this quote because of our guest, who can take something as simple as a handful of vegetables and make a photograph so beautiful it takes your breath away. Before we get started, I just wanted to be sure you know about my ebook, 10 Big Ideas for Marketing Photography in the Real World, and that you know you can download it at lucydumascoaching.com, Lucy with an I. And you'll also find contact information there if you want some support to help you be an even more profitable photographer. So now let me introduce you to Christina Peters. She's an amazing food photographer, an educator, and created the first food photography membership site called the Food Photography Club. She's created images for countless major food brands, ad agencies, design firms, book publishers, magazines, and so much more. Her work is beyond beautiful. And I want to warn you, don't go to her website if you're hungry. (laughs) So welcome, Christina. Thank you. That was a lovely introduction. Thank you very much. (laughs) Honestly, I was gobsmacked when I went to your website. (laughs) Thanks. It was just like, Oh, food and art. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I am super excited to learn more about the business of food photography, some of the art of food photography, and how you attract and keep clients. Does that sound like a good idea? Sure. Okay. So as much as I'd like to know when you got your first camera and became crazy about photography, I would really love to know how you got into food photography. Well, sure. So I started taking pictures when I was a child with my dad's camera. It just like a lot of us did where we sort of were doing photography as a hobby. And then I went, decided to go to college for it. And I have two photography degrees. And after I got out of my art center college of design here in Pasadena, I decided that I didn't know anything really about the business. The schools were great for teaching technical things at that time. They taught us nothing about the business. They taught us nothing about getting clients. So I thought, okay, I think I technically have things under control. I'm going to work for as many photographers that I can in a two-year period. So for exactly two years, I worked for over 35 different photographers in Los Angeles. At that time, I thought I was going to be doing product photography and advertising work. I hadn't discovered food yet. So I started assisting all kinds of shooters. I was assisting food shooters for sure. I was assisting car shooters, a couple of fashion shooters. And I realized very quickly I hated that world. (laughs) I was definitely not a fashion girl. (laughs) The photographers I learned the most from were ones that did product and advertising work. And so that's when I discovered the food world because I assisted several food shooters and that world was a lot more relaxed 
there's, there's a lot of downtime between shots and it's a huge collaboration where somebody's making the food and then the photographers are photographing it. And so, so I got to work with photographers who recognized my abilities and literally would let me shoot a lot of the jobs. And that's when I got the experience with working with the crew for a food shoot, like a food stylist, a prop stylist, and other assistants. And that's really what gave me confidence to be like, okay, I can totally do this. And I also learned from these photographers, let's just, shall we say, some of the things to never do in business because they were doing them and it was shocking. Like not paying taxes, things like that. The IRS really will show up at your door. Yeah. If you don't pay taxes for eight years. So learned a lot of things like that at the same time. So that that's where the food world started for me. And so that takes us to about between 93 and 95, 1993, 1995. And then I got my own first food client in about 1995 and then just sort of kept growing from there. So that's sort of my little deal in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. So I think that is such a great tip for people when they're getting started is to work for other people. If I could do my career over again, I would have done more of that. I did work for a few people where exactly what you said, I learned what not to do. Mm -hmm. And a couple people hired me to do the children because that that was not their forte and they had a, a coupon program. And so I got to practice selling and I got to practice photographing without it being under my reputation. So I've, I think right. That, yeah. So it takes the stress away when, when, when that's the scenario, it really does take the stress away. Like, Oh my God, this job is my responsibility. That kind of goes away. You're, yes. you're just part of a team. And then it's like, Oh, this is not nearly as difficult as I thought it was going to be. Right. right. <laughs> you know? Or with me, it was wrangling babies and, <laughs> and it, it wasn't difficult because I'm a kid person and I love, you know, I love what you said that it was more relaxed uh, yes. with food. I like the fact that it is not relaxed when you're photographing children. <laughs> it is, right. it's like juggling and I love that adrenaline about it. You know, I feel like quite the hero. So yeah, I think that's a really a good tip for people both to get the experience and how you found your niche by learning what you did not love photographing, like fashion. And I took a week-long class with a commercial photographer through West Coast School. It's a PPA-affiliated school. And I learned I did not want to photograph cars. I did not want to photograph motorcycles at three in the morning that I just love being a portrait photographer. So I really encourage my listeners to pick a niche when they get to that point, but to try everything at the beginning, because who knows? That's the important part there too, is lighting is very different for each subject matter. However, you can take bits and pieces from any lighting setup and apply it to what you're actually photographing when it's appropriate. I learned an enormous amount of lighting working with car shooters in the studio those people really know and see light. 
And so technically I learned the most working for them, but I never wanted to shoot cars. I knew that going in, I just knew I was going to learn a ton. And so, you know, if someone's just starting out and they're really just not sure, just, you know, like you said, you know, experiment, uh, work with as many different shooters as you can. And you also, you never know who you are going to meet and how they're going to actually affect you in your personal life and your business life. And so I'm, I'm dear closest friends with people I was assisting like, you know, now many, many years ago. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So thank you for that tip, Christina. That is a writer downer. <laughs> so I want you to tell me everything I need to know about food photography or, well, okay, maybe three or four things, technical things, things that a beginning food photographer would want to learn or know. Can you get into some of the, the art and craft of food photography for me? Sure. So when, when people are trying to, or they're thinking they're going to get into food photography, I usually have them sort of ask a few questions about that. Like ideally, what type of images do they think they want to take? What type of clients do they think they want to have? And if they don't even know the answer to those questions yet, then it's really important to just experiment on your own and start photographing different things. When you're working as a food photographer in the commercial world, which is like advertising, you're going to be asked to photograph things that maybe don't excite you all that much. And you have to sort of turn it around and recognize that you're actually photographing a product and it just happens to be food. And so when you're working in the advertising world, there's much bigger budgets, but the beauty of the food and sort of artistic things, I have to say, a lot of times gets put to the side. We're selling a food product. So when people love food and they really want to show gorgeous, beautiful food, like you would see in a magazine, that can sometimes sort of limit you in the advertising world a little bit. It's changing now. There's something called advertorial type work where it's an editorial look in the advertising world. And so that's actually, you know, it's an exciting thing and it happens where you get asked to photograph a recipe and make it look really beautiful as if it's going in a magazine, but it's actually being used to sell, like say, for example, an olive oil product or something like that. So then the day rates are much higher. It's really difficult to make a living just taking pretty pictures of food and trying to work for magazines. It's extremely challenging now. The magazine budgets are being slashed. A lot of people aren't buying their magazines anymore. They're just doing things online. So our, our advertising world and our shooting world commercially is radically changing with the digital era. So if someone's just starting out, I always suggest play around with different types of food and just do you like the process of it? Because for me, it kind of doesn't matter what the actual food is. I'll turn it into a lighting exercise and I'm working with a client and they want to show something very specific about the food. And so it might not feel as creative, but I, I really love the tech stuff. I get into the lighting like massively. So if that's not your deal, then you're going to be going more in the editorial route and you're just going to have to be creative with getting more clients to make a living. So, so it's kind of like those, those two different ways of shooting, you know, where one is a lot looser 
your lighting can be not as challenging. It could be natural light. In the commercial world, we typically use strobes because a lot of times we're shooting way past the sunsets. There'll be 10, 12, 14 hour days. So if you're using natural light, it can be massively challenging. You know, so if you're, if you're, again, starting out, you start with natural light and then gradually learn how to use artificial lighting so that you then have control of your light and you're not reliant on the sun and your light source moving and changing color temperature on you all day long. So Christina, what I'm hearing is a lot of amazing tips for someone who wants to go in the business mm-hmm. of photography, but but now you've pulled it down to that simpler part of my question, which is how how to, let's say you're talking to somebody that's in high school that just wants to have some fun and take some great pictures of food. So one is come up with some lighting. Is there anything you recommend to purchase or use for that? Like talk to me like I've never done food photography, but I want to take some pictures of food, which is true. Maybe I've taken pictures of my plate <laughs> with my iPhone. So I loved everything that you said. I want to, I want to style it down to the actual, just some tips. If I was sitting there with a refrigerator full of food and a camera and maybe one light source, or if you think I need more than that, you know, one A class number one, what do I need to know? Or what are some, some suggestions? Well, if you if you're just starting out with food photography, you know, there's, there's a few aspects to it. Food styling is how your food actually looks in front of the camera. So that's something where I always suggest start on the easier side. So for example, don't, don't think you're going to be photographing a shepherd's pie and have it look amazing in the beginning. (laughs) So food styling is a huge part of our food world and food styling is how the food looks on the plate. When we're plating for food photography, it's actually pretty different than how you would plate something for a restaurant. And so I do have done photography with restaurants and there's always a certain look that the food has that where you know that that food came from a restaurant versus my regular portfolio images, we literally build the food to the camera. So I'm always on a tripod. Now, a lot of food bloggers say don't shoot on tripod, plate your food and then move all around it and take pictures like that. That is just not how most of us shoot in the professional food shooting world where we lock the camera down on a tripod and it actually really eases you up. Once you have your frame in place, then you start building your composition, putting your shot together. So instead of running around and holding your camera in all these different angles to try to find a good composition, we're actually creating the composition on our set. And this is the scenario where you're at your home, you're, you know, you've got it, you got some time to do this and you're creating your image in front of your camera. So once I usually teach that difference, it really opens up a whole world where instead of throwing some things on the surface, taking lots of pictures and trying to figure out the best one, that can really confuse you because you don't have a direction or an intent with the story of what you're trying to tell. So Christina, that is a super hot tip that I actually give portrait 
clients. So you and I are on the same page with that. Yeah. So when I'm setting up uh, a portrait, I'm setting up a piece of art. I want to use design and lighting and posing, you know, which I'm hearing is all the same, whether it's food or humans. And when, when I'm free from the camera, what I think you're saying, which is what I totally agree with, I can see what I'm doing more. I can refine it. I can plan and be intentional. Exactly. When your camera is locked down, you can put items in your set, take a shot, and look at it. Do I like where I put the fork? Side note, forks are pain in the butt. <laughs> put in a shot. So, you know, when you see an image where the fork is elegantly on that plate, there might have been 15 images before that fork was in that exact position, or there might have been five different forks. Mm. So when you're locked down on a tripod, you can place a fork in, take a picture, see how it looks. Because you're on a tripod, your camera frame is not moving. So if you want to just tweak the fork a half an inch in one direction, since your camera is now locked down, you can do that. If you're hand holding, you will never match your framing again for the second, for the third, for the fourth shot. You are changing your framing every single time. And that can be a problem in the ad world. And it's certainly for magazine work too. When you see images in a magazine, they have text around a lot of the food most of the time. So you have to have a controlled lockdown camera so that you know your framing. And then that's your, that's your canvas, is that frame of your camera. And then we place things inside it, move things around in that frame, and the camera's just standing there. And it really, really eliminates this whole thing of holding the camera, moving something with one hand, taking another picture. Got it. You know, just, yeah. So that's a great tip number one. And when you said the word canvas, I just had a picture of, of like a famous painter holding his brush and his canvas and running around trying to paint a picture as opposed to locking it down and then designing and painting from there. So, right. Yeah. Perfect illustration. So what would be tip number two for someone who is wanting to take some great photographs of food, you know, whether, whether or not they're ever going to do anything with it, they want to have some fun with food. So what would tip number two be? So I would say tip number two would be, you have to look at the quality of your light. Generally speaking, your light needs to be very, very soft. And if it's really harsh light, you could end up with specular highlights on the food that could imply it's greasy or very distracting. Or you can get harsh shadows, which can, you know, depending on the food, can not be very appealing. So I always say just diffuse the crap out of your light. <laughs> and, you know, even with diffusion discs in front of a window, that can be a great way to do that. They're very inexpensive on Amazon. They're like $15 to $20. And I, I have multiple diffusion discs. I use diffusion gels on my artificial lights. And I actually made a diffusion panel that is 12 foot square in diameter that I will clip onto a window, onto sliding glass doors. Um, if I'm at a restaurant, I will put this panel up between two stands just to soften the light. And so once you soften that down, 
it makes it a little bit easier for you to figure out your exposure and, and to sort of, you know, start working with your image. Okay. I would never know that. So hopefully that's a hot tip, which is also applicable with portraits and weddings. There's all kinds of tools to make light more beautiful and in general, soft light on people. So I think people and food have a lot in common. Oh, they absolutely <laughs> do. I'm some, you know, I've seen some lighting setups for portraiture. And it's like, it's exactly what we use for food, for sure. So what would tip number three be for the actual practical, taking some pictures of some food? Well, so it's kind of hard to sort of generalized. It really depends on the type of food that you're doing, what type of shot you're doing. I mean, a couple of things. Pre-visualizing the image that you would like to do is very helpful. So you could uh, sketch things out in advance, study other images that you really like, and see that. look at the composition and see what you find appealing about it and emulate that with the shot that you're doing. When you're working with props and when you're working with elements that are in your image, it's uh, really important to make sure that you don't have elements in your shot that are overpowering or distracting and taking away from your, your hero food, your item that is the subject. A lot of photographers starting out and bloggers starting out, I'll see them using extremely busy plates with patterns on them or putting a lot of things in the environment around the food. When you do that, and maybe there's a lot of things in focus, you don't really have a direction. You're not telling the viewer what the story is of the food. You're not telling them where to look. So I always wanna use focus and props to direct the viewer to have them look exactly where I want them to look, like a garnish on top of a cake, or if the cake if a cake slice is cut and pulled out, I'm going to want to show off the center of that cake so they can see the interior possibly. If there's a really bright, distracting thing in the background, then that's going to compete with that cake slice. So you're creating a story and you're creating a visual. To, and it could be a simple story. It doesn't have to be a novel. The simple story could be, it's a birthday cake and here's a slice of it. you know. And maybe there's a lot of flowers around or something like that. So I use depth of field with, you know, very shallow depth of field so that the area I want the viewer to be looking at is in focus and background elements and other things are out of focus so that I'm bringing the point straight to where I want them to look. Christina, you are blowing my mind because <laughs> when I teach people some basics of photographing children and families, I tell them not to have bright bright things in the picture that are brighter than the face. So, you know, if there's a background or something that's bright or busy, you know, that's going to take away to find a center of interest. And also when you said busy plates, that makes me think about people wearing clothing that is stripes or plaids or flowers and how it draws your eye away from the subject which is the people. Right. And I always have my clients wear solid colors. And then I don't know what the equivalent is, but either long sleeves or if someone has beautiful arms, then sleeveless because the eye travels to skin and short sleeves stops the travel. Or, you know, a big bow 
on a, you know, a big, whatever, something on a shirt, your eye is going to go there. So design principles are all the same here. And especially, I would say, another tip you probably would agree with is to study art, to study composition, to learn some simple things like the rule of thirds and where to place your hero and then your secondary subject so that the eye travels just the way you want through the portrait. Do you agree with that? Oh, definitely. Some of the most popular blog posts I have um, are about composition, and I have several talking about the different rules, and one post is entirely dedicated to the rule of thirds. And yeah, it, it's um, once you start breaking down images that you really like and looking at and start studying rules of composition, then you can sort of, feel, oh, yeah, so this one here, we have a lot of negative space. This one here, you know, the nothing's in the center of the frame, so it's off center. So there's there's a lot that goes into these things for sure. And the more, the more sort of, like you were saying, if you study the art world and look at some classic paintings and what, what makes them so beautiful over time is just very traditional rules of composition and color and light. And there's a lot of food paintings that are worth millions of dollars that can be studied in art in San Diego in the permanent collection of our fine art museum, mm-hmm. there's several that are, there's food, cabbages. and Yeah. In the Flemish era in the art world, that, that was really when the still life, the food, the food tabletop still life really uh, sort of took off in the 1600s and the 1700s, long, long time ago. So since this is a podcast about profitable photography, I'd love to talk about your hot tips for getting work. And one of the things that you mentioned is about postcards. So I don't know if that would be jumping in too soon if you need to give us some backstory about mailing lists. So can you give me an overview? Because I encourage my portrait coaching clients to send postcards to people to build a list, you know, a snail mail list and send a quarterly postcard of just a killer image that someone would enjoy. And I get a postcard every quarter from a mortgage lender that now I've refinanced and referred her many times because for the last 15 years, I've gotten a quarterly postcard from her saying, you know, happy spring or here's summer. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to listen. What do you have to say about all that? So absolutely. I've been shooting for 26 years, not as long as Lucy, but I've been shooting for a little while. And I have been doing postcard mailings for the entire time. I use a combination of a few things. I use mailing lists that are targeted for businesses. So I would say, Lucy, for your audience, I'm assuming they're portrait shooters. There's all kinds. Okay. So Depending on the type of client you want to go after, this is really going to dictate how you're going to be putting, putting together your lists. If you're going business to business, there's something called an SIC code. And I'm not going to get into sort of you know, the depths of this because it took me many, many months to really learn this and sort of to figure out how to use it. But just basically, 
just to put the seed in your in in your you know listeners' heads, an SIC code is actually a number that the IRS has classified a business under. So as photographers, we're listed under one type of SIC code. Uh, restaurants are SIC code five one eight two. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> or is it five eight one two? I forget. I have a whole I list am. of these okay. codes. Right. All right. So when I'm going after a business, I can target that type of business using these type of mailing lists that use these type of codes. Okay. So that's like business to business. If you're selling to a consumer, a civilian, we can have, we can acquire targeted mailing lists with the same principles applied. So for example, an awesome thing that, you know, if, if I were selling a product to a civilian, to a regular person, not a business, I would absolutely be doing a monthly mailing that's a welcome to the neighborhood. You can actually buy very inexpensive targeted lists of people who just moved into the neighborhood who fit a certain type of profile. If you have been shooting for a while, you know who your clients are. If you have some, you're of your ideal clients, the ones who are paying you very well to, to be with you, to work with you, and they're pleasant to work with, sort of think of and write down who that person is. There's a way to target them with mailings. Maybe they live, they own their home. Maybe they have college kids. And certainly if they have children, and if you're a child photographer, this is so easy to target. The companies that acquire this information, they're using our credit card data. Everyone is buying something through credit cards. All of that data gets sold. When we're using the credit card, we're automatically saying that we agree for those companies to sell our information. That is how these companies acquire all of this crazy, scary, creepy information about all of us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you taking your card, going on vacation and swiping it in a store where you're buying, buying something. All of that is being monitored. All of that is making a profile of a type of person that you are. This way, if you know exactly who your ideal clients are that you would love to get more of, break that down. You talk with the list company, and I'll, I can give you some tips on how to get a good one because they're not all created equally. And you basically figure out who that ideal person is that's who you're going after. And then you send them postcards. You can send them birthday postcards because many times people are, there's so much personal information about us out there that is public information, like our birthdays. That's how you get birthday information, birthday cards from, from businesses and things like that. Or they know it's your birth month or something. And what I always tell people who think like, oh my God, sending postcards, it's so old fashioned. You know, you've been shooting for a long time, so that's why you're doing that. Well, guess what? I do it because it actually works. So my response to that is always, when you go and pick up your mail, do you throw any of it out before even looking at it? Chances are no. But how much do you open your spam email? Probably not very much. And we might look in spam in case one of our friends or clients accidentally got in there in that spam folder, but I'm never opening anything in spam unless I actually thought it was from a customer of mine or something like that. So that's how I try to like, like it's, it's traditional marketing in a very digital 
world and it works because so many of our competitors are not doing postcards. They're just trying to email people. And that's great. And that's part of it too. I email people too, but that's not my only effort. That's not my only marketing effort. So what would you suggest? Well, so what's on your postcard? Well, it totally depends on who I'm marketing to. So that's the other thing is what is your message? What is, what is your ideal client? How are we going to solve their problem? So if you are doing portraiture, then you can really target specific things. And I'm sure, you know, you, your program is all about this. You target certain events in their life. That's very appropriate to have portraiture done. Okay. Uh, you know, and obviously wedding shooters, I mean, geez, there's engagement lists that you can buy. So people who are recently engaged and then guess what, after they're engaged and married, probably they're going to have kids down the road. So there's ways to target all of this. So your messaging in the postcards to these people is very specific for something that they are wanting. Now, if you're starting out at this, it's a learning curve. You're, you're going to test. You're going to have postcards that say certain offers. There always has to be an offer. There has to be information as to why you are the most appropriate person for that product. And so when you're coming up with your messaging and, you know, the, one of the printing facilities that I work with, uh, they actually help with this. It's, it's, it's a very nominal fee, but they'll help design the card for you. They'll help you put it together. They know what type of language will work depending on the product that you're trying to sell. So whatever, you know, whichever type of photography you're trying to sell. Can you share who that is? Oh, sure. Listener? So um, uh, the printing facility I use is Postcard Mania. They're in Florida. And um, I've worked with many, many postcard printing companies. They are not all created equal. They claim they can put lists together for you. Postcard Mania was the closest one that I could work with to pull a list together. Now they hadn't worked with the food shooter before. So I had to go back and forth and work with them. I gave them certain qualifications I wanted for the businesses that I was targeting. They would let me know how many numbers they would come back with. And then we would pare it down from there. So, so you are going it, to, it's a relationship. You're going to be, they're going to be learning about your business and you're going to be learning how lists work. And so the listing company that they pull from is called InfoUSA.com. InfoUSA.com. No, no one's endorsing me to say, these people don't even know I'm talking about them today. Um, just want to make that clear. I'm not making any money off of that. But um, InfoUSA is one of the main uh, list companies in the country that most of the other list brokers are pulling from. So you're dealing with list owners, list brokers. So InfoUSA.com is a list owner and they rent out their information to us. They are updating it as frequently as they can. They claim they are updating every 30 days. I don't know how that's humanly possible because they have millions of people on their lists for all different things, but that's the whole nother conversation. And apparently they have 500 people in a calling center, like calling all, all the time just to update things. I also use something called agency access that's in the commercial world. That's where I get my lists for ad agencies, design firms, and um, uh, what is it called? Publishers. And so that is basically agency access is curating their own contacts. So 
in our in our creative world when we're using a traditional list house like info usa they can tell us who an ad agency is but they can't tell us what they specialize in so there are some limitations to the commercial purchase list so then i pay a lot of money every month it's over a hundred dollars a month to agencyaccess.com to then get details about specific ad agencies and design firms for example that do food photography or excuse me they have food clients and therefore they would need to hire a food photographer so i go through those lists and i curate and sort of go through look at all the websites make sure yes, this ad agency actually does have some food accounts. This could be a great prospect for me. Then I'll mail them a postcard. And so I'll make a special list and then I give that to Postcard Mania. And then I say, okay, this postcard is actually going out to ad agencies, design firms, and um, you know, food manufacturers on the high end. This other list might be going to smaller food manufacturers and restaurants that don't work with an ad agency. So there's many different levels of targeting here. So what I'm hearing is that active postcard mailing done properly is one of the best ways to get great clients that is not being done by others. So you definitely stand out. And that's great information for me because I do have commercial photographers as coaching clients. And so some of those um, hot tips, I'll just file away so I can pass it on to them and actually make them listen (laughs) to you. So I appreciate all that good information that I might not have thought about in the commercial world. How often then would do you send just one postcard? Oh no. So you, you have to that here's the thing. Because of our potential, so our prospects, they are being bombarded every day by people trying to sell them stuff. You know, I think we see something like, I don't know, ten thousand images a day per person. That's how much we're bombarded by things. Sending one postcard will not do the trick. You have to be on it. You have to send them a postcard regularly. The minimum is four times a year. And see, you just mentioned one of your vendors, or I believe you said she was a um, mortgage broker. Mm -hmm. She has been sending you a quarterly mailing for a very long time. 15 years. She is, I guarantee, extremely successful with that mailing. She is. And graphically her postcards are not that compelling it's just nice to get a little friendly note they're three by five cards on not the most fancy card stock but it does the trick for me and so imagining with beautiful photographs that you're creating that people would love how those will actually get saved and put out put on a refrigerator absolutely i mean You've remembered her. She has now succeeded with her marketing. You now remember her. That's all we're trying to do here. The goal is when, you know, they say, oh, you know, oh, geez, we need to do a photo shoot of food. Where where was that photographer? She sent us a postcard. If I only sent one, chances are they lost it. So I keep them on my list and I sent... Sometimes when I'm on it, I'll send once a month and then I'll send an email. 
And then I just do it all again. So I'll mail a postcard, then send an email, mail a postcard, then send an email. So my people get at least eight, eight points. We call it a point or a touch. So they'll get eight, eight touches from me at least a year. And, and I'll switch it up. So the postcard is not the same every year, but, but that's the thing, depending on what you're offering. So let's say you do have a portrait client and the holidays are coming up. This would be a heavy time to start promoting right now for the holidays. Get in their mind, come across their desk once a month, you know, and you just sort of switch out the photography a little bit if you want. But honestly, I mean, some, some businesses, they don't even change the marketing. It's the same postcard and they just rerun it and they send it out. It saves them time. And if, you know, a lot of photographers are good at doing some Photoshop work. So I make my own postcard design and then I give it to my people because I'm not, they're not charging me for design. I'm doing it. I'm saving some money and I can switch it up every month. If you're not comfortable with designing a postcard, they do have templates that you can use. You can download and put into Photoshop. Most printers have that. And then you can just switch out your image and, you know, just sort of come up with some sort of an offer for that time for that, you know, whatever your product is and see what works and test it. So pay, pay attention to who your list is, who you are sending, which postcard to, and which one got you the best results. When did your website start spiking all of a sudden? You have, there's a lot of things in play that you have to pay attention to with this process to see which programs are working successfully for you. I've had, I've had companies hire me after they had still had a postcard from over a year ago. So they kept that postcard from a year ago. So sometimes it's not an immediate result, but the goal is to have them simply remember you and keep you in front of mind whenever their project, their need for the photography is going to come up. That's the goal. Awesome. So we are almost out of time. So I don't know if you can touch on this briefly or if it's another full conversation we need to have about how to get commercial photography clients. Do you have like a, a little bullet point of ideas or something you can share? How to get commercial photography clients? Yes, because I know I have listeners and coaching clients that are commercial photographers that would love to know your wisdom. So it's the same process. It's just targeted. So I go through and I figure out who the, who the people are I really, really want to go after and make as a prospect. So I have like my dream prospecting list. And then I also have an email targeting list that's much broader and bigger because the emails are a lot, lot you know, less expensive to send out than the postcards. And so all of those lists are from agency access for the ad agencies, design firms, and publishers. So the ad agencies and design firms, if you're a commercial photographer, you're going to be working mostly with ad agencies and design firms, or you're going to be working with a very large company or brand that has an in-house marketing department. And agency access has a list of those as well. But it's so it can get it. It's, it's a challenge. I'll be honest. So if you want to work with a large brand, so like, for example, I was sort of digging around anthropology. I was like, you know, it might be fun to sort of shoot some of their product photography. And um, I was doing some research. Now they have um, a marketing person in house there. It is really hard to find that contact information. So there are also databases 
online that you can purchase. Um, one of them I just signed up for recently, Rocket Reach. Again, I don't know these companies. I'm not affiliated with them. I'm just checking them out. I'm constantly, constantly trying to figure out how to find the people because it's hard. I mean, I'll be honest. And with a huge brand, you know, their, their contact information is locked down like Fort Knox. So you have to call them. So you just simply call them and no one wants to hear me say this, but I'm, it is cold call sales people. And this is how you sort of work on your list, but you call them and say, hi, I'm a photographer and I would love to shoot for your company. Do you have an in-house marketing department or do you know if you use an ad agency? And if you don't know the answer to that question, is there maybe somebody you can pass me on to who might know the answer to that question? Sometimes the receptionist will be very helpful. Other times they'll just say, no, thank you. We're not interested. And you got to try and call back again when you get a different person on the phone and ask the same question. So it, prospecting takes the most time out of all of this marketing stuff. It really does. So for example, as a food shooter, I will literally go into the grocery store. I plan mentally for this because I'm going to be in that store for about two to three hours. And I go through the aisles and I look for companies that have food photography on their packaging already. Okay. Now that means number one, they're doing packaging with photography on it. They have a budget because that costs some money. Number two, they paid someone to take photos of their product because it's not legal for them to use stock photography. That's not their product. You're not allowed to show a food product on food packaging if it's not your own. So they have to use their own photography for their product. Now, side note, some of them actually are using stock photography because they don't know any better and they haven't been sued yet. That's a side note, but you're just going to make the assumption that they hired someone to do that. And what the thing you need to determine next, so I will literally go in the store, find packaging that has photography on it, and I'll take pictures of it with my camera. You're going to get asked about 900 times if you can get helped with something by the people working in the store. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see it now. Okay. And I actually have a lot of food allergies. So my response is, you know, I'm, I'm just doing some research on this brand, actually. I have a lot of food allergies. Now, they're going to put those two statements together thinking that I'm doing research on the brand for my food allergies. They have nothing to do with each other, but they don't know that. And I'm not lying to them. I right. am doing research on this brand. And side note, and I also have food allergies. <laughs> so I'm explaining why I'm in there taking pictures. I've never had anyone have an issue with it at all. And this happens all the time. I'm in Los Angeles. So there's people running around with an iPhone filming, filming something down the right. floor aisle. Right. <laughs> I'm just a lady and I, and I buy stuff. I'm not just in there doing it and not buying anything. So I have a shopping cart. I have my grocery list for the week. I am shopping, but I am literally just going down a few aisles at a time. I can't even cover the whole store in one day. This is how much time I spend prospecting. So I would like to challenge my listeners to think about what they could do in their particular niche that is as genius and intense as what Christina does. And also mention that all of these things that she's mentioning, you can get help. You don't have to be the person all by yourself mailing the postcards, finding the people, all of that. Would would you agree? I mean, maybe you do 
a lot of it, but people who would go on overwhelm with this, I think finding somebody where it's, it's easy for them and that it would be cost effective to get support for, for a lot of these activities that you're mentioning. Oh, absolutely. There's many different ways to go about this. If you start putting together a list based off of Google searches of certain clients, you know, you, you could hire a VA to help you sort of call the companies and really determine, do they have in-house marketing or are they with an ad agency? And then step two of that is if they do have in-house marketing, just simply who is the person to contact there? And then that's the person that'll be put on your list. So you could have somebody, you can hire someone, or if you have uh, teenagers that need to, you know, make a little money, <laughs> you can have yeah. them just call, teach, teach them what, teach them what to say, you know, lots of people I've over the years, I've found students, I've found moms who just want a little extra money um, to come and work with me a few days a week. Somebody that at their job, they had a four-day work week, and so she wanted to increase her income, so I got her for two days, and it's surprising how many people have alternative kinds of lifestyles that need, you know, 10 hours a week, 20 hours even five hours can be a blessing in my week to have somebody do something that is not my wheelhouse and they can do it better and save my time for what makes me the most profit and is the most fun. Oh, so, so much good information, Christina. We met at a conference and I'm super excited that we get to hang out together more over the next year with a program. And what was cool is, I don't know how many tables there were at the conference, but there were four photographers out of the whole, maybe 200 people. And we all sat at the (laughs) same table. So it was destiny that we meet and that I could share your brilliance with the people that are tuning into my show. And um, yeah, so thank you for being on this show. Oh, you're so welcome. And thank you. It was super fun. Good. So how do we get in touch with you? Sure. So I do have several different things going on. I have a lot of uh, free tips and information on my blog, which is simply foodphotographyblog.com. A lot of the business articles on there could absolutely work for people who don't just shoot food if you shoot other things, like so for some of the, um, the listeners there. And then I also teach food photography in the business of it with my membership site called the Food Photography Club, and that's foodphotographyclub.com. And I can offer your listeners a little special treat. If they would like to check out the club, um, I can put together an offer for you guys. So we could do something where normally it's $40 a month for the club. But if you want to check it out, I can give you a trial membership where you just pay $7 for two weeks. Come in, check it out. If if it's not for you, you can cancel, no problem. And then if you like what you're seeing in there, then you can just stay in the program and then you'll start being billed $40 a month. So the membership site is a really fun place where it's really where my my readers and my students get access to me. So we do two webinars a month. We do image critiques. We do website reviews, actually, where I'll actually look at their website and give them information and feedback. 
on um, how they're setting up their online portfolio. And then I have a lot of webinars about all kinds of various topics, depending on what the students are interested in at that time. So how do they get that special? What's the address? So if they go to foodphotographyclub.com forward slash PPL, that's a special page I'm putting together for you guys. Thank you. So stay tuned for my wrap up. And I just want to thank you, Christine. I feel so blessed that we met and I look forward to our ongoing relationship. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me here. Mm -hmm. Bye for now. And thanks for sticking around for my wrap up of the conversation with Christina Peters about food photography and commercial photography and photography in general. So some of the things to remember is that when she started, she worked with and for lots of different photographers. And through that, she discovered her niche and that food photography was perfect for her. I also loved some of her tips on photographing in general. And one which is dear to my heart that I recommend is to use a tripod. It frees you up to design a portrait creatively. And for me in working with clients, it helps me get better expression and guide them better because they're looking at my face. My hands are free in her case with doing it. Food photography is basically still life photography. She is able to set up an image and then look at it and think again and make some slight changes. So we also talked about the value of studying art that in any photography, the more you know principles of design and lighting and composition and all of that good stuff, motif, mood, primary subjects, secondary subjects, you know, I'm throwing out some good, <laughs> good words here. But the more you know about that, the more you can create images that really stand out from others and that make you super happy. Another super valuable part of this conversation was about how postcards still work. They work for her as a commercial photographer, and I know they also work with portrait photographers. We've had a couple of people interviewed that have used it as one of the ways that they stay in touch. So think about how you could put that together, and also to remember it's not a one-off that if you're doing a postcard campaign, you want to plan to mail to people on a regular basis that would be former clients or ideal clients, um, building a great mailing list, buying mailing lists. For people who think that marketing online is the only way to go, we get to stand out and do something different. She also talked about how to get commercial clients. And it sounds like a person that wants to make a full-time living in commercial photography must be proactive. Find products, find agents, find out who you can talk to and get yourself in front of the services and brands that hire photographers. So that is it for today and look forward to hearing from you. And remember that if you are ready to take your business to the next level, I would love to be your coach. And if you'd like a test drive, I'd love to offer you a strategy session 
to really take a deep dive into your goals and dreams, a little bit about what might be in the way. And that is complimentary. I offer five of those a month. So get in touch and hope you are having a highly profitable fall so far. Take care. Bye now. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.